Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. desperation we need you if it's emotional, if it's a relational need, if it's a financial need, whatever it is, begin to call on the name of the Lord. Lord, I need you. There's no one else to turn to. There's no place else to go. I declare right now, you're the only way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. I want to follow you, and and I bow down at your feet, oh God. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I need you. Hallelujah. Blessed be Blessed be your name. I need you, Lord. Just spend one more minute right there. Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm desperate for you, oh God. Hallelujah. And that's the message of the gospel. We need a Savior. And He is the Savior. Everyone walking on this earth, the message is simple. You need a Savior. You're lost without Him. And we have the truth. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We ask the Lord to anoint this word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Amen. God is so good. This week, uh, the invitation went out. Uh, just if you wanted to be able to join us, some of you already went out and they watched the movie, The Jesus Revolution. And uh, several of us were able to be there on Thursday night. And I've heard some of you went other times. It was a, it was a good, good movie that expressed what was going on. And, and I've done even more research since then. I've been, in, you know, uh, moved by it and. And so I've been watching some of other things, seeing what came out of it. And, and how many knows that we serve the same God? Amen. And the same gospel message. 
Things may look a little bit different, technology changes, but the message is still the same. And God wants to do the same thing now. He wants to move on the hearts of people that are desperate for Him. But they, may be, they don't even realize how desperate they are for Him. They just know that they're in desperation. And that's what that movement was about. If you watched any of that, uh, a lot of people were looking for hope, truth, and love. And that's where you have to come to the house of the Lord. That's where we get this love for one another. I was encouraged. I was watching some interviews by the pastor, and, and he was just going through some of the transformation that, that he went through as a minister of the gospel. And, and he came to a, a place where it was like, I want to just make it simple in front of everyone I want to preach and open the word and he began to go through studies together and he gave them assignments ahead of time I know I give you assignments after the fact go back after but he ahead of time next week when you come I, I want you to tell me these three things are in this passage so they go and be prepared how many knows that there's something that happens when you're prepared there, there's something that happens when you're engaged there's something that happens when like I, I want to be here anybody wants to be here this morning I, I hope that's your answer I want to be here, but why? We always have to ask that, why do I want to be here? And there could be a lot of reasons why we want to come. We have relations with people. We enjoy the time of worship. But I also want to grow in His Word. That's what the Lord gave me early on in my ministry, going to our first pastorate. He gave me that acrostic for grace. Now, you know me, some of you have been around, I, I love acrostics, and I believe that's why God gave that to me, because that's how I think, that's how I operate, and this idea of grace is growing, receiving, answering, committing, and evangelizing. The very first one, growing in the knowledge of God. That's an ongoing thing. It doesn't stop. I'll, I'll, I won't quit sharing that, because I believe that's what the Lord put on my heart to share. It's, it's just one of those things. It's not a definition of grace by any means. That's not what it is. It's an acrostic to help us identify as believers. How do we keep moving forward in Jesus Christ. Keep saying, I need you. I want that desire to keep being alive. I mean, that's why the title of the message is more, Desire the Fire of His Presence. How many enjoys the presence of the Lord? His presence can be comforting, and His presence can be convicting. I like being in the comforting part of His presence, amen? But no matter how mature we are in Christ, we'll always be convicting parts of His presence. Because he's always working on us. Our heart's always being worked on. I need to be pliable in his hands. I need my desire to be stoked. And so I was encouraged that during this, this movie, just watching the things that were, that were going on. There's testimony that came out of even filming the movie, that because of, not to spoil it, but there was a, a scene where they were doing a, a great uh, line of uh, bad water baptism out at Pirate's Cove, out in the ocean, and, and, uh, and so they were just lined up. And on the day of filming that, there were some people that were just standbys. They were just, they did people, and, and they begin to hear the truth, and they begin to say, I want to receive Christ. In making a movie people got saved because they wanted to present the gospel and God is doing something right now how many knows that God's never stopped moving right that there's seasons where things are being stirred up and we're in a season right now so come back tonight and I'll talk more about that now let's get into the desire desire the fire of his presence let's say this this declaration this morning and I see Brother Bill passing out some outlines. I'm glad you're doing that. Let me just go ahead and put a plug in there. I encourage you 
to, to be engaged, you're not going to remember everything you say. That's why I have my notes sometimes because I, I, have, I have a lot of good notes up here. But if I don't write it down, it's like, oh. And I know on Wednesday night, we're having a great time discussing what the Lord did on Sunday. Before we get into our Bible study, we reflect on what did God say on Sunday? What, what was the message speaking to you? What was the Word of God saying? And we're able to share that together. We're encouraging each other in the Word by doing that. So I want to encourage you. Take a few notes. If you have a question that, uh, that you want to ask, write that down. Let's talk about that together. It'll help you grow. How many wants to grow? This will help you grow. So get one of those papers. Fill it out. Some of you take notes on your phone. That's fine, too. But be engaged with this message today. Let's say the decoration. Some of you are holding your arms are tired because you've been holding your Bible up. I believe this is the Word of God. I believe it's fully the Word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm ready to receive from God's Word today. I'm alert, I'm listening, and I'm hungry. Lord, open my ears to hear and my heart to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how fitting is it today? The Lord already put this message on my heart as to share out of Psalms when our children's church just wrote some new Psalms. <laughs> Psalms 151, 52, and 53. <laughs> but I want to take us to Psalms 97 this morning. And I just want to walk through this passage with this thought about desiring the fire of his presence. I want to declare that his, his presence is something that we need to long for. I'm hungry for his presence. I want to be in his presence. But I want to understand his presence. I can't make his presence fit into the mold that I think it should be, but I'm conformed and I'm transformed in his presence because of who he is. So if you're following along, this morning's outline is really simple. There's just a few blanks for you to fill in. The first one, the, Lord's, the Lord reigns everywhere. I'm just taking this thought right from the passage. Starting in verse 1, Psalms 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitudes of isles be glad. I like how the New Living Translation changes just a little bit. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. What we're saying, let every place. There's not a place on this earth that can't rejoice in the presence of the Lord. No matter how dark it is, no matter how sinful it is, when the light of Christ comes in, it can transform that place, and all the earth is His. So as we look at the Psalms, uh, there, there's different types of Psalms. There's some Psalms of lamentation, right? Sorrow. There's some Psalms of thanksgiving. Uh, then there's some psalms like this one uh, called a couple different things, royal, th song, uh, royal uh, psalms or enthronement psalms. It's talking about the righteousness, the position of, of God as king of kings. Uh, uh, he's an ultimate uh, uh, royalty. He's the ultimate judge. And so as we're looking at this psalm, this is the eyes that we're looking at. We're here to look at not woe is me, but woe, woe to you, holy God. I, I'm in all of you. This is how we need to to read this Psalms uh, to be in the all of God. Look at this next verse. This really kind of brings in that thought. Clouds and darkness surround him. 
righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And when I read in that, I look, clouds and darkness surround him. Wait a minute. As I read in the New Testament in, in 1 John, John declaring that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Well, how can there be no darkness when darkness is surrounding him? Because I have to understand the character of God and what he's doing. God is not dark. But how many knows that judgment there's a heaviness in judgment, and God doesn't want to judge us unrighteous. He wants to judge us righteous, but because of his holiness, when we stand before his throne, we will either be judged righteous or unrighteous, right? When, we stand, when people stand before the throne room of God, and when they're standing in the throne room of God, if they're being judged unrighteous, it's not like they're going to see this glorious light and go, oh. I don't know what note that was, but it was pretty good. But what, you know, we always think about God, and there's this big, and everybody's just in awe. No, there's a, there's He's light, but around His throne room, the, the heaviness of the judgment that He has to proclaim because of His holiness is there. Let me take you to another passage in Exodus to, to kind of maybe bring in some uh, some pictures here of this. This is the people of God, uh, and they're wandering. Right? They've been left out of Egyptian bondage, and in Exodus chapter twenty, we see this. Now all the people witnessed the thunder. The lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. We talk about the glory of God and the presence of God. Like, I want to run into the presence of God. They were afraid because they saw his glory. and they were, they were set back in fear. It goes on. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we'll hear. But let God speak with you, <laughs> lest we die. We understand that this presence of God is so powerful. That's why I'm thankful that we're in the New Testament, that we're able to enter into the throne room. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't just that easy. And they begin to set up the priesthood, right? When they had the tabernacle and the temple, not anybody could just run into the Holy of Holies. They had to be consecrated before the Lord. Only the high priest could come in. It was representing something that God's glory is so magnificent, right? He's so glorious that we have to take it serious but when Jesus came in it didn't change that his glory changed it said now his blood covered us that allows us to enter into the holy of holies thank you for the blood of Christ amen that makes us holy. It purifies us so we can enter into his presence but they were afraid because they saw the presence of God and they were fearful they, and then Moses said to the people do not fear for God has come to test you. And when he's saying do not fear, he's not saying don't fear God. He's saying don't be afraid of what God is trying to do. He's trying to get your attention. And this is why. This is a very interesting verse. He says that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. How many wants to stay away from sin? It's equal to the fear of the Lord. Look at this. People have a sin issue because they have a no fear issue. When there's no fear, meaning the holy reverence for God, when there's no fear in that, they have a sin issue. No fear of the Lord equals sin, but the fear of the Lord equals salvation. Back to that passage in, in Exodus. So the, so the people stood afar off. They were afraid. They didn't know what to do. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. God is light, but yet around him is this 
this darkness of his representing the judgment that he will have and that he has and has the right to have. Right? God created us. We're not our own. We need to come before him holy and righteous. This is not a, a scare tactic. This is a, this is a verse to, to help us understand how awesome it is because if we're looking for truth and in this Jesus revolution that happened in the early 70s, late 60s, uh, they, they were looking for truth. They, find, they, were, they were trying to look for it in wrong places, but when they begin to hear the truth, they begin to change their lives. It didn't change everything about them at, at first. They were still hungry and seeking for things and still questioning things. We've got a disciple people walk through, but there's something that they were willing to do. They were willing to listen to the word of the Lord. They would sit down. They would, get, they would sing songs. But it would grow in his word. That's what we have to do. And the fear of the Lord begins to change us to reverence him in a deeper way. Back to Psalms 93. We'll stay here in this passage. Say this with you. Make way for his fire. In your life, you need to make way for the fire of God. It says a fire goes before him. And it burns up his enemies all around about him. His lightning light the world. The earth sees and trembles. This, this is the response of what's happening when the presence of God is there. Everything is shaken by it. Everything has to respond to it. Enemies are burned up because a fire precedes God. And we talk a lot about the, the fire of God and, and, and what that represents. It represents his presence. Because when you get around a fire, something's going to change. It doesn't stay the same. No matter what it is, it has a melting point. It has a destruction point. It has a weakness point. And the fire of God is more intense than anything that man can create. I'm just glad he doesn't turn up the heat all the time on us, right? Uh, there's time that he's like, you can't handle it all right now. I'm going I'm to leave it. But when he needs to get a hold of us, he can turn up the heat because he's not doing this to be mean to us, to be cruel to us. But when he wants to move on our hearts and we get to that, that place and we say, God, I want to be broken before you, you give him permission. He doesn't, he doesn't force you into a place of humility. He doesn't force you into a place of repentance. He doesn't force you into a place of, of checking your heart. But when we get into his presence and, and he begins to convict us through the Holy Spirit, like, I want to do something in you. Uh, he, he's not forcing. He says he's letting us know, I want to do something in you. And then you begin to say, God, I, I want that too. I, I, want you to, I want you to move in my heart. Guess what? The heat gets to be turned up because he's trying to do a change. It may be uncomfortable for a moment. Uh, you may cry. Uh, we try to keep so, some Kleenex and supplies up here because we realize when God starts moving on you and you start breaking, it's not shame. It may be shame being lifted off of you, but you're not standing there in shame. You're standing there in forgiveness because God is forgiving you and you're responding to the presence of God. And he may be turning up the heat, but not to make you feel bad. He's turned up the heat to transform you. He's turned up the heat to begin to melt you and, and change you, to make you pliable in his hand, to, to form you to be what he wants you to be. He has a plan for your life. So, Lord, I want to be pliable in your hand. I, I want you to move on me. I want to be broken before you. 
Verse 5 says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. I mean, look at the picture that he's trying to show. The biggest mountain that you can see in the presence of the Lord. This is the imagery that he's trying to show. That mountain will just melt down like wax because of the fierceness and the fervency of God's presence. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declares his righteousness and all the people see his glory can we just do that right now take a praise break and begin to declare his righteousness heavenly father we declare how righteous you are how holy you are lift up your voices let them hear us outside these walls god we worship you we declare how righteous and how holy you are you are a great and awesome god make way for his fire in this place today Then he changes gears in, in verse 7. And he begins to show that he is the only God and everything else will be destroyed. He says, let all be put to shame who serve carved images. Who boast of idols. The places, and, 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 and we don't really deal that with here. There's some places, but we're not, you know, we don't have a, a temple we don't have an idol downtown portage where people are flocking to to worship. So, but they had places of idols. They had statues that people would worship at. He's saying, don't get in. All that's going to be destroyed. Realize God is righteous. He's a king above everything. So how do we apply this to our lives? Because those who serve any image other than God, any, anything that is above God, they try to make it, it, make, it becomes God in their life. And, and they may not even say they're doing it on purpose. But if you don't have God, and this is what came from the movie, if you're not for Jesus, you're against him. That simple. And that connected with that generation. Some were like, I've heard about Jesus I've heard his name, and this is Greg uh, Laurie's testimony. He goes, I heard about Jesus. I, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a church when I was younger, and, and I knew his name. I wasn't denying him, but when the preacher said that if I'm not for him, I'm against him. And being for him is not just saying, I believe there is Jesus. Being for him is saying, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to learn from Jesus. I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I want to surrender my will to Jesus. I, I want to surrender everything to him because if I don't, I'm making other things an idol and those things will be put to shame. And then he's, the writer of this psalm says, worship him all you gods. Now, we, we realize that when he's saying that, that these false gods, they're false gods. You know, the, <laughs> But the image is that everything is going to worship God. A dumb idol can't speak out to God. It can get knocked down in the presences of God, Dagon, right? <laughs> if you were around a couple weeks ago, you heard that. But he's making the statement clear. Worship him. Worship God. That's why we come into the house of the Lord. And it can't just be that Sunday morning experience. I know I sound like a broken record, but I keep wanting to remind us, it has to be this lifestyle of surrender to him. He goes on in verse 7. Uh, let me read this in a New Living Translation. I really like how this brought it out. 
Those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow down to him. Everything. The New Testament says that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Verse 8 says this, Zion hears and is glad. This term for Zion, just throwing in a little thoughts here and there, another word, another expression for Jerusalem or the people of God. So when you read Zion, don't get confused with a lot of things. Zion is talking about the people of God. The people of God, Zion is going to hear and they're going to be glad. The daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgment. I don't want to rejoice in judgment. We can rejoice in judgment when you're standing in righteousness because he's going to judge you righteous. How many, how many likes to get the good credit, right? <laughs> We're going to be judged righteous when we stand before him if you follow him. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. So let me pause for a moment and kind of let you know why I feel the Lord led us into this passage today. Into here. I want, I want to give you my heart as a, as a pastor for the church. Is that the reason we come is to experience his presence. The presence of God is better than any program you can come up with to bring people to church. The presence of God is drawing. Because in the presence of God, when we press in and, and we're not on that, that time rush, and, and we try to be respectful of time, but when, when, we're, when we're just focused on, on him and, and time seems to elapse and we don't even realize how long we've been here, in that presence where people are like, they feel the presence of God, they want to surrender their life to, to him, they're going to tell somebody else and they're going to come with them. When the presence of the Lord is, is healing and, and bringing, bringing healing to bodies. How many God believes that God still heals? We, we sing about it. We, we pause there. And we know people that need healing. It's so good to see Sister Linda today. We're going to pray for you uh, this morning. We're going to continue to pray for Brother Martin who's recovering from surgery. We're going to believe that there's healing. We're not going to stop believing that. But when healing takes place and we're, re, we're able to say, look what God just did. The word gets out. And where does it all come from? The presence of God. I want us to be hungry for the presence of the Lord as soon as we walk in. There may be a time when we walk in that you begin to sense the presence of the Lord so greatly that you, you're not being rude, but you're like, I just need to get inside and begin to pray. That's okay, but I want it to be organic. I want it to be authentic. I don't want, it to, be, I don't want to try to cultivate that to make that happen. Does that make sense? But when God moves on us in a way, like I just need to get into the presence of the Lord. It needs to be real. And I want to testify, there's a church just down the, down the road, Jubilee Worship Center, Church of God, just like us. I'm not telling you to go visit them because it can happen here. But last week, they were just, after the message, they were, something happened. And the presence of the Lord began to show up in a mighty way. And they began to linger. Some of them didn't even leave. They began to start leaving until 3.30 in the afternoon, and they didn't realize what time it was. The presence of God was so, and I celebrate that. Something happened in that service where the hearts were like, God, we want you. We want you. And here's what's been happening in different places. Asbury, 
Ethan's with us on spring break, but he can testify at Lee. There was a, there was a small time. There was a, it didn't last as long, but there was, a, there was a move of God where students came together and began to pray, and the presence of God was there. It takes our hunger. So I want, that's what I desire. Not a false, I don't want to work it up with just that one. I know that one song. Hey, when we, when we were in, in, a, in a church, as before Bray and I was married, there's a church that we were part of, and if the pastor, he had three, three notes he could hit, and we knew what song it was, and everybody was ready to jump in. But it wasn't just manufactured. There was something about, hey, we're, we're going to enter in on this, and God would move. Lord, help us. I want to be hungry. Desire the fire of his presence. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. That's what the Psalms are saying. This, the, the Psalms are a declaration of how great he is. We get into the New Testament, we have a lot of teachings about how we need to conduct ourselves, how we need to relate with one another, how we're supposed to be to the world. But right now, this morning, the psalm right here is turning our attention to His glory. I want to worship you. I, I want to forget about all the troubles that I've had. I want to forget about everything else. I want to forget about what happens tomorrow. I'm going to stand right here and declare, You are great. You are great. You are greatly to be praised. Verse 10, you who love the Lord, he says, hate evil. If we really love God, hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. I like how the NIV says it. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his, say with me, faithful ones. Some of us don't relate to the word saints. I'm, a, I'm going to be a faithful one. Help me be a faithful one, oh God. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own power. I can't do it in my own strength. I have to, it has to be the Holy Spirit helping me, and I need to yield to you, Holy Spirit. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked one. The last two verses of Psalms 97. Light is shown for the righteous. And gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So again, right now, give him praise. Lord, we thank you. We rejoice in the Lord, in your righteousness. We give you thanks, and we declare your name is holy in this place. So let's do the Bible. This week, I want you to read Psalms 97 again, only 12 verses. Read through it. Pray it out. Then I want you to find Luke chapter 3. Read through the first 17 verses. Meditate on them. Walk through them. And the, and the, and the Luke is the words of Jesus Christ. Really pay attention to what Jesus is saying. So when you do that this week, reflect on the questions of repentance from the people, the tax collectors, and the soldiers. Now see, if I was doing it... Uh, Chuck Smith style, who's a, the pastor in the revolution, I would say, next week, read this passage and tell me what are the three groups of people that were asking questions about repentance. But I'm giving you the heads up. I'm giving you these people, <laughs> and I want you to reflect on it, okay? Repentance of those people, the tax collectors and soldiers. Look at the questions that they were asking in response that Jesus gives. And then based on what Jesus said, here's where it comes in for us. Humbly examine. Everybody say those two words with me. 
humbly examine. Humbly means, Lord, I'm going to let my heart be exposed to you. I'm going to examine myself in this. Help me. And here's what you want to do. How you, and this is in quotes on purpose, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Now, who came up with that line? Let's get it. Let's find out. Luke 3, verse 8. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus said it. (laughs) Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. That's what we have to examine it. Am I bearing fruits worthy of repentance? And do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Read this again in the New Living Translation. This is what it says. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. That's the words of Christ. Proving not by saying, but by living. Proving not by saying, but by doing. Proving not just by words, but by action. Prove the way that you live, that you have turned, that you have repented of your sins and you have turned to God. Prove that you're a Christian by your behavior, by your attitude, by how you interact with one another. Prove that you have been transformed from darkness into light by the way that you worship. Not as an act, not as bringing attention, but as a Christian, I need to express praise to God in a different way. I need to give Him without any hindrance. Prove that you've turned to God in all your ways. You repented in the way that you steward your money and you steward your time and you steward your family. Prove that you have been changed and transformed by the Word of God and by so repenting because your life is different than it was before. If your life still looks like it did before you got saved, then you didn't repent. Repenting is a turning around. So that's why we have to do look. Either we're for Jesus or we're against him. How do you know we're for him? By the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we talk. I'm going to go here for a second. Listen, there's some young Christians We need to pray for our campus at Lee University. I'm calling it out. I hope they hear this. There's a lot of them that are just cussing like it's nothing. They're using some of the most horrible words. I've heard it myself on campus visiting. I'm like, wow. And I've talked to some leaders like, for some reason, they just made that acceptable vocabulary. Somebody teach them then. Because that's what the Word of God says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, that you're going to put off these things, wrath, malice, and filthy communication, dirty language. You're supposed to put, if you repented, you're not talking like that anymore. Now, I know there's been some that, that have given their heart and they came from a lifestyle and they cussed all the time. And so it was part of their language. And, but little by little, they realized this is not right. And, and the Holy Spirit began to change them. So, uh, I, so sometimes there's some new believers that slip every once in a while. And I just go, okay, Lord, help them. I'm not judging them. I realize, hey, they're working through this. But if it's a part of your life, if you're watching online, it's not a good testimony. 
It doesn't represent the Christian life. When we say, I want to be changed and transformed, that means everything. It means my walk. It, it means my talk. It, it means my actions. It means my behavior. It means my attitude. Have you repented or do you need to repent? And it's okay because God is always working on us, continuing to work on us. He wants to change us. How many knows he does it? Because he loves us. He loves us. And these are the word of Christ. Prove the way that you live. It's a challenge. Verse 15. Now as the people were in expectation and all the reason in their hearts about John. Now they're talking. I'm down in verse 15. They're, they're focusing on John. Is he really the Christ or is he just a messenger? They're trying to decipher this. Whether he was Christ or not. Verse 16 says. John answered saying to them. I indeed baptize you with water. You've seen John testify the goodness of God. He's baptizing them and, and teaching the message of repentance. He goes, I'm baptizing you with water, but one is mightier than I who is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire doesn't just stay in the Old Testament. Fire comes in the New Testament. He wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire that keeps on purging us, keeps on cleansing us, keeps on working through us. There's not one in this room who's watching online who's perfect. We need a constant renewal in the Spirit. God, help me today to walk worthy of your calling. Help me today because I've been wrapped in flesh, and the flesh is always attacking the Spirit. And there's this battle that's going on, but I'm going to crucify this flesh today, and I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm keeping it under control so I can serve you so I can prove that I've been saved. We're a work in progress. Go ahead and say, I'm a work in progress. I'm testifying to that. I, I'm a work in progress. God is still working and convicting my heart. Verse 17. His winning fans is his hand. See this picture. His hand is, the th is what's blowing, is what is moving, stirring up. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. Get this picture. This doesn't relate to this whole lot because I've never harvested wheat before. I don't know, but I'm, I'm getting the picture here. I'm seeing that wheat, the stock of wheat, you don't take the whole thing and eat it. They have to do some separating of it, right? They have to, it goes through a process. This, this threshing floor is that process, and he's going to gather its wheat. And he's using this as a symbol. He's saying, this represents you. This represents people. So I'm going to set fire, and I'm going to use fire to purify, but I'm also going to use fire to destroy those who don't follow after me. He says, I'm going to gather the wheat into the barn. It's going to be used. But the shaft, he will burn with unquenchable fire. The fire of God represents his righteousness and his judgment. And the fire of God will touch our life either in righteousness or in judgment. But when we come to him with an open heart, that I've been changed and transformed, and I've repented my sins, we are not touched by the, the judgment fire of destruction, but we're touched by the empowering fire to be his witnesses of his grace. As you stand your feet and our praise team comes back,
I thank God for salvation. Anybody else grateful for salvation? I love the Lord. And I believe you love God. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, he wants one with you. And as simple as saying, Lord, come into my heart. I want you to lead me. I want to follow after you. Because as, as we heard, if you're not for Jesus, you're against him. So this morning, I want us to take a moment to examine our hearts. Surrender our hearts. And remember what Christ has done for us through communion. As the praise team begins to play here in a moment, I just encourage you to just take a couple moments and reflect on the goodness of God. Check your heart before the Lord. Lord, I, if there's any wicked way in me. This, this is the prayer of David, who's defined and described as a man after God's own heart. He said, if there's any wicked way in me, search my heart, O oh God. Change it. I want to be right before him. So as you take a few moments... Just reflect and, and pray. And you're, you're grateful to the Lord for your salvation. I'm going to encourage you just to come and grab one of these cups. Take a few moments first so you can grab one. And then, then, if you will, stay in the altar area. If you need to go sit down, that's fine too. But we're going to find a moment to take communion together. So I encourage you this. After you get your cups, go ahead and get them prepared. I know it takes a little bit of work to open these things at times. But take a few moments. Not in a hurry. At the right time, come up here. There's a basket here that has the cups. Grab one. Stay here or move back to your seat if you need to. But let's listen to the Lord. I want to desire the fire of His presence.
this last line, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. How many believe that God can even pour out some new things in your life? No matter how young or how old, no matter how long you've been saved, there's some new, there's some freshness that God wants to do in our life. I'm going to ask, uh, my wife asked, but I'm saying the same, will you mind serving the, the praise team? And, and if you're in the, in the booth, we invite you at this time to come and join us. And don't worry about the, the words right now. We just want to, everybody to to a part of this I don't know what the Lord's going to do right now but I know this I want to trust him I, I like that other line it says I, I may not need to understand I, I don't need to know everything I don't need to understand everything I just want to trust how many wants to replace the need to understand with trust God help us can we just make that a prayer God I, I pray in my human nature I want to have answers to everything. I want to know what tomorrow looks like. I, 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 want to, I want this to line up this way. I try to figure it out. I try to make it work sometimes the way that I want it to work. And, and Lord, that's because I feel the need to understand. But trusting is not always understanding. God, I just want to learn to trust in you more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. as you have this communion remember what it represents this bread representing the body of Christ that was broken for you Jesus dying on the cross broken and bruised help us oh God not forget what you've done for us see this is not to be taken lightly. But Lord, we, we meditate on this right now. I'm thankful for your, bro your body that was broken for me. I'm thankful, God, for the healing that comes, not just physically. I know there's physical healing, and, and we believe in that. But, Lord, I thank you for restoring my soul. I have a hope in you that when this life is over, I'm going to be in heaven with you, that, that I'm not going to be destined to hell. I've been destined to heaven, uh, the glorious place. And, and I know that it's not just a myth. It's real. Heaven is real, waiting for us. And I'm able to go because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. His body was broken for us the ultimate sacrifice the holy lamb of God and you said when we take this to do it remembering what you've done for us will you take this break that bread every time I hear that I'm thinking about his body being broken Lord you were broken for us we take this in remembrance of you His blood represents the new covenant with us. His blood represents the remission of our sins. Through this, the stripes that went on his back, the blood flowed out, and by his stripes, we are healed. Again, if you're in this place and you need a healing touch, if you need a physical healing, begin to declare right now. No matter how many times you've prayed for it, Many times that you just put up with it, you just kind of take it out as a, as a part of life. I want to let you know there's healing. There's fresh healing right now. There's new healing right now. And God is able. How many can say that? Say it with me. God is able. God is able to heal. Nothing's impossible for him. 
Don't buy the lie that you have to keep being saved with that same diagnosis. That's just what you're going to live with with life. God is able to hear. The God we declare right now as we take this communion that your power is still. We sing it this morning. You're the same God. You're the same God that healed then, that you heal now. You're the same God. My faith is being raised up right now. My, my faith is being lifted because I believe you're the same God. The same God that opened up blinded eyes. The same God that opened up deaf ears. The same God that made the lame to walk. And, and, and he's the same God right now. Lord, we testify you're the same God. I take this in remembering the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of his atonement.